So without any further ado, bringing you another great guest that we have supported for years that we just do not want to go uh, away. I have none other than rapper Iconic Special Ed. How are you, my brother? Good afternoon. I missed you last week. What had happened? Yes, what had happened was between my traveling and the telephone, really. Uh um, What happened was I was in... Wait, speak up a little bit more, Special Ed. Speak up, Ed. Yeah, I was traveling to New York at the time. And I don't know, the phone call... I guess if you called me, it would have been... (laughs) But I was en route... I was on a road trip, traveling and, and getting some things done. I hear you. So um, my apologies. But what happened was when I finally did wake up, like, oh, wait a minute. And I called. It was already late. Aww. It was like just two minutes too late. Oh, well, we have you uh, today. So I just want to, you know, jump yeah. right into it. Now, you came on the scene in the 90s, an era that I absolutely love the 90s just represented something that i wish that we can kind of duplicate or do all over again that's how much i loved it but you came right. on the scene in the 90s totally immersed in the hip-hop culture and the hip-hop culture totally claimed you now the first song that i heard that i truly truly loved was i got it made and that beat doom 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 it just right. like, captivated me even before you dropped your first word. Now, how did you get into the faces of record executives so that we can hear I Got It Made? Well, what happened was my cousins grew up across the street from Howie T in Brooklyn mm-hmm. over there on um, Schenectady by the uh, graveyard. That's in Flatbush, so, right? Yeah, that's where that's where they grew up. So Howie T and and his family and my cousins were across the street from each other and childhood friends. So I told her, look, you know, take me over there and, and let me rap for mm-hmm. Howie, you know, because I thought I was good enough <laughs> to make records. Right. So, you know, I was 15. She kind of like eh, laughed it off a little, but still took me over there with her because I always kind of hung out with them and went over there even as a child, you know what I mean? So mm. I, I went over there, and they were impressed by the display of lyricism mm-hmm. and how he started producing for me right away. Mm. Wow. So it just happened just like that. So you said that you knew that you could rap, but did your friends also tell you that you could rap, or was this something that you just kind of held off to yourself? Yeah, well, everyone kind of told me. I used to battle people in, 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 in the street. In mm-hmm. school, anywhere. So that's the test of time, you know. I if, if you battle and win, yeah. then you're good. Yeah, yeah. You that's know? how it was back then. You had to battle. You had to battle. The right. streets had to give you those accolades and tell you that you were good enough before you could take it anywhere else. But you know, also what I wanted to to talk about was your name, Special Ed. Because yes. that isn't a term that, you know, the streets kind of embraced back then. You know, in my neighborhood, we didn't because special education, you know, you know the children who learned differently. Who came up with the name Special Ed and where did that name come from? Well, my boy, he died. He, he's a childhood friend and another artist as well. And um, we were growing up at that time and it just kind of 
it just kind of defined or outlined my personality based <laughs> on my behavior, you know, just how I was. Right. And it could mean positive things, too. I mean, I could teach you something. True, true, yeah, true, okay. true. I like that. See how the world is always looking at the negative spin of things, but you just gave me a positive spin on special ed. That's I right. like that. I like that. But just going back to the 90s as well, at the onset of your career when you were signed to, was it Profile Records, correct? Yeah, Profile Records. Now, so I made the demo. Uh-huh. I made the demo and uh, True Blue Management, which would be like Tank and Tony, they brought it up to Profile and got some interest from Corey, you know, who owned the label. That was a label Run DMC was on, yes. Dana Dane and Sweet Tea. Rob Four Bass. Righteous Teachers, Rob Basin, That's DJ right. Easy E, DJ Jazzy Joyce. You were yeah, on DJ a label Rob. that, yeah, that had some real heavy hitters at that time. How was your experience uh, while being signed at uh, Profile Records? How was my what? Experience? Your experience, yes. Well, it was a mixed experience because I got the success that I desired, but then I also encountered the problems that I anticipated and heard so much about. And what was that problem? Labels wanting to pay. Mm. You know, labels being uh, real about things and, and paying what they weigh. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, you so know, you felt that I you deserved more money at that point in time? Well, no, the, the the contract said that I deserved more money. Oh, the contract you know, did, but you didn't get the money that the contract said that you were supposed to get. Right. So oh. it was short. It was just short, and I questioned it, and, you know, they tried to lollygag me into, you know, accepting it, and I wouldn't. I was like, nah, man, I could count. Right, right. You know, and, and I know you ain't spend that much money, because mm-hmm. nothing we did was expensive. My album budget was, you know... The less than a budget for a single, mm-hmm. less than a budget for a feature. So the the videos were not expensive. My most expensive video was might have been thirty five thousand. So what cost so much money? You know right. that was my thing. So I went into the business of it, and I did. I audited them, and um, you know that's when they they found some discrepancies and inconsistencies, and you know it's a process, but. You so know, wait, you said cook, that you audited them. Living. How old were you when you did this? Because a lot of young rappers at that point in time, when they didn't get the money that they deserved, either they took a big L, but they didn't know how to seek, you know, the, the legal way to make sure that they got what they deserved. How old were you when you decided to audit your record label? Yeah, I was at that time probably about uh, 17, Wow. 18. Yeah. Wow, nah, yeah, man, you were really special grill, ed. Right? You, were, you were giving yeah, people a special people. education, yes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so did they, what was the, the final decision? Did they say, okay, you know, you were right. Here is additional money that, that you deserve, that we owe you, or did they kind of rip up the, your contract? What happened? Nah, nah, they don't, they don't rip up the contract. What they do is they sit on your contract oh. and, and they let time lapse. And they let you sit there and stretch it out mm-hmm. and make you make you stagnant. Mm. You know, so, so it's kind of like they they call it freezing your contract. So how long did they do they that? Froze. Where they just sat on your contract, where you just couldn't do any work? Yeah, because they have the rights, the mm-hmm. ownership rights. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like you can't really do anything but wait it out. Mm. 
So how long did you have to wait before you could pursue something else because your contract had expired and now legally you could do something else? How long did you have to wait to do that? Um, Well, the contract didn't actually expire because when they freeze it, time stops. Uh, Oh, wow. You get it? So, for instance, you owe them X amount of albums Mm -hmm. and they freeze it. They freeze it until further notice. Like, you still owe those albums. Oh, that's how it works. still indebted to them, and you still have to, you know, give that to them when that time comes. Mm -hmm. So as a young... They can shelf your album for a year or two. Uh You've got to kind of sit there and just wait. So what were you doing with yourself? How were you making money? How were you managing to stay relevant in this hip-hop culture back then? Doing shows, being on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, doing production for other artists, doing features, mm-hmm. like you know, you have to do stuff like yeah, that. You know, yeah. doing television, doing film, doing things that will, you know, pay you, right? You relevant, like you said. But did that bother you in such a way where you could no longer put out any albums being true to yourself and now you had to find other ways still in the hip-hop culture to stay relevant? Because for some people, that might have made them kind of walk away. So how did you feel not being able to put out any records but to redefine your hip-hop culture in different avenues such as doing shows and and TV and film? How, How did you feel about that? Well, it was all entertainment, and, and, and it was all still me being me. Okay. So I didn't feel like it compromised my integrity or me as an artist. I just felt like I was exploring the other avenues of entertainment. I like that. I like that. That's you know a lesson I mean? in itself, I'm, because some people don't know how to um, redefine themselves. Diversify. Yeah. Right. Diversify themselves. You know, they have this one goal, one vision that doesn't work out. And it's like, OK, I'm not going to do anything else. So I like that you were able to be versatile in this hip hop culture, because there's many avenues and lanes for people to explore. Life you have to be. You can't just put all your eggs in one basket. That's true. Because, you know, yeah, if something goes wrong with that, then. You malfunction. So Mm. you have to definitely know how to diversify and find all the ways to monetize, you know, what it is you you love or what you do, what your passion is. You know what I mean? So, like, for now, for instance, I do pretty much every and anything within the industry. You know what I mean? That that, that makes money. If it's lucrative, Mm -hmm. I've done it or been a part of it. You know what I mean? Whether it be events, concerts, promotions, um, booking, agency, whatever. Production, recorded artist, distributor. Mm-hmm. Like, I found lanes everywhere. And I just get in where I fit in. I like that. I like that. Let's switch lanes just a little bit and just talk about um, today's current state of hip-hop culture. Now, do you think anything is missing in today's hip-hop culture, or would you describe it as the perfect evolution? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nothing is perfect Mm -hmm. at all. And actually, it's been designed to be uh, negative and destructive Mm. to our people. Hmm. Speak a little um, bit about that. Why do you, what do you mean it was, it was designed to be destructive to our people? Well, when we began hip-hop, it was to deliver a message. Um, 
sometimes a message of hope, sometimes a message of the reality and the harsh realities of our people, you know. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, that has changed quite a bit. Mm. You know, that has changed into messages of destruction and drug abuse and sexual abuse and discrimination, mm -hmm. you know, hate crimes, things of that nature. So what I'm saying is it started one way and has now been uh, redirected to a more destructive type of, uh, you know, meaning. Right, right. And that's not by our doing. That's mm -hmm. because uh, powers that be, uh, people that are at the top of the totem pole mm -hmm. want to send a message of death and destruction. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's part of population control. They want us killing each other. Yes, I that believe sort that. Of thing. So believe you that. just have to be mindful about the messages that you put out and not fall into the trap. I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, you know, but I also want to encourage and also ask because we still consider you to be very influential in this whole hip hop, hip hop culture. And I've had quite a few of hip hop legends on this show. Have you ever have all of you discussed probably banding together and adding to this current state of hip hop to kind of change or shift the direction a little bit? Because we still look at you as major players in this hip-hop culture. And although you aren't a record label executive, you do still have some influence. So has there ever been a point in time where you and other legends as yourself have decided, we need to do something about this current state of hip-hop? Well, the thing is, the only thing we can do is speak out about it. Because at the end of the day, like you said, we're not executives at these companies. Mm -hmm. We don't cut their checks we don't feed them so to speak we can educate them and guide them right. but as, you know the reality is they're getting their money from the people that are causing this mm -hmm. so you know hmm. if the man is paying you and saying look go out there and say this and say that and make it do what it do that's what you're gonna do yeah, that's true. That's true. So where would you like to see hip hop in the next 20 years? Because we know that hip hop is always growing. I just had a conversation about this with my father the other day. And I have a daughter who is 23 years old. And I just love hip hop. I'm, I'm from Brooklyn, totally immersed in the culture. Where would you like to see it in 20 years? And do you think that you will still be a part of it in some capacity? I would like to see it owned and operated by us as a people, mm. you know. I would like to see it out of the hands of, you know, the major corporations mm -hmm. and into the hands of the actual artists, the mm -hmm. actual people that are making the music, mm. you know. That would help. So have you ever That's thought about start. starting a record label so that you can produce yeah, music that you speak up? I, oh. I do. What's your I, record label? Semi records, and I've put out my own, I put out my own stuff. And, cool. and saying that to say, artists get a little confused about this whole thing. Anyone can have a record label, 
anyone can put out music. Anyone can be a, an executive, a CEO. You can control your own destiny. True. True. But you have to know that you can. That's true. I mean, it's just like, yeah, anyone with the internet, the possibilities are endless. Mm, so it start is endless. exploring those possibilities and control your own destiny. I like that. Well, speaking about controlling destiny, you know, we don't want to define you because although you aren't um, on television and you, they're not playing your songs in heavy rotation on the radio, like I said, you are still a major influencer. So I want you at this time to define who you are. Who is special led in 2018? Special Ed in 2018 is the person that's going to teach you better. Hmm. Hmm. I'm the person that's going to teach you better. About what? You don't know about everything you're doing, about life, how you existing, how you behaving, your mental health, physical health, and how to progress. Wow. You have to progress mentally first, and then you can progress physically. I like that. And, and I asked you that question because I wanted to see how you have come full circle from the time that you released I Got It Made. And even that title alone, it speaks volumes to who you are in 2018, teaching valuable lessons. So, yes, in 2018, Special Ed definitely has got it made. Ed, thank you so much for being a guest on Sonya On Air and making it up to me because I was totally disappointed last week. (laughs) No, that was all my fault. And that's why I'm here now. You know, another thing is you have to be a person of your word. You have to have integrity. So that's what this is about. Also, is that, yeah, in all in all intent, I I intended well. I, I meant everything as it was supposed to be, yeah. and due to a slight lapse in time, or over or, or overlooking a, mm-hmm. you know the time frame, two three minutes. Yeah. And you late. Yeah, in media that means a lot. Yeah, in media that's a lot. Yeah. In radio, yeah, a lot. So you but, have to pay attention to that. Yes. You know what I mean? You have to know that, look, you have to take this seriously. You have to be, you have to do things in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. And scheduling, timing is everything. Yes, it is. In this business. Yes, it is. So, yeah, and then being a man of your words. So it's like me, I felt terrible because I was like, man, I geared up for this. I got ready you know, for days just to make mm-hmm. sure I was on point and then I, I, it I, right through my fingers, right? And those things happen and we all are human and we all make mistakes. I appreciate it. You know you've been on my show before, right. correct? Oh, okay. Yeah, this is your second time. <laughs> well, welcome me back. <laughs> welcome back, Ed, and thank you so much for being another guest, a second time guest on Sonia on Air. You have an amazing day and continue blessings to you and your entire family. Take care. Thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. There you have it.